Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Today, we're getting down to one of the last two of the lost American ideals, as taught by Dr. Oliver DeMille. The word is liber. Most Americans have never even heard of it. What on earth is a liber? Well, <laughs> before we go there, I want to quickly review the first two of these lost American ideals that we've already talked about. The first one was Georgic. Remember, the root word from the classical Greek meant to work the land. But to colonists and early Americans, it meant ownership. It meant that you really owned and were able to control your own property. And this is exactly what Thomas Jefferson was referring to when he included pursuit of happiness in our Declaration of Independence. Pursuit of happiness absolutely meant to be able to own and control your own property. It was a major difference in the way things were done all over the world. To be able to own, sell, or buy property or a business was one of the major reasons people sacrificed almost everything to come to America. Georgic was the term they used to describe this new ownership mentality. The next lost ideal we talked about is the word providence. While most folks today have heard the word and know that it refers somehow to God, they simply do not understand the word like our founding fathers did. They were constantly using this word in their talks and writings. Yes, it did refer to God, but in a totally different way than most people do today. When they said the word providence, they meant that, yes, we do have a God who created us, and we give him reverence for that. But it also meant that he knew us all individually, and that he had a plan for us individually in this life and was willing to help us discover that plan. Then we were expected to spend the rest of our lives fulfilling that plan. That is the meaning of providence. Now the third of the lost ideals is liber. Again, we can go to the classical Greek to find out the roots of the word. It refers to tree bark or the pithy inside of papyrus. In other words, it referred to what they wrote on. A more refined definition referred to the class of people that actually used the tree bark. They were called liber. You see, there were two classical kinds of people in that ancient time. Uh, the first was slaves, and the second was liber. The liber class were those people who could write. They could own property. They could calculate. They could communicate ideas. They could enter into contracts. They were liber. This word is also the root word from which we get library and liberty. In colonial times, the meaning had matured and expanded a bit. It still meant the educated class, but education had divided into three categories. Those three categories are still with us, even today. We have the slave education, the professional education, and the liber education. I'll explain how the colonials defined them but and how we have the same types of education even today. The first type, the slave education, it's also called employee education. This is where all the children are divided into age groups. They're taught from the exact same books or manuals and graded against each other regardless of their personal desires or ambitions in life. It is a very good way to teach people to become very good at repetitive tasks like a typical employee would be expected to do, day after day, week after week, and to never complain about it. This type of education was invented by the Prussians and was championed by our own Horace Mann 
Now, he was a great newspaper publisher who became known as the father of American education because he pushed this type of slave or employee education. And this is why we still, even today, use the grades where all kids the same age go into the same grade. This is also why many of our textbooks are standardized and every kid is to learn the exact same thing regardless of his own wants or needs. It's a cookie-cutter approach to education where the students are prepared to get a job, to become an employee. The second type of education is the professional education. Now, this is specialized education where the student is trained to become an expert in his field. These students will become the doctors, the dentists, lawyers, horseshoers, furniture makers. Whole schools have become dedicated to training in a specific field. Now, both of these types of education have become very much a part of the United States, and we've become very good at both. They're very effective, but they do not define what was once called an American. It's very good to have a good employee or good professional people, but you can find them all over the world. If our country were filled up with employees and professionals, then we would still not have America. Something more is needed, and it is that third type of education that the colonials called LIBOR. A LIBOR education was totally different. Virtually all of our founding fathers had a LIBOR education. The difference was in attitude and character. From the very first, the students getting a LIBOR education are taught to look at all businesses as an owner would. They're taught to recognize those things that an owner must do to run a successful business. Their first inclination is not to worry about the salary or break times or vacation time. They look at the supply and demand. They look for resources and innovation. In short, they're trained to be leaders and owners. Because of that ownership mentality, they also look at government quite differently. They are genuine citizens. They take ownership of their government too. Again, they tend to look from the top down rather than from the bottom up where folks are just as concerned about their entitlements. <laughs> They're just concerned about their own stuff and whatever else they can get from their government. A LIBOR-educated person tends to look at the larger picture and be sure that government is working as it should. They believe and fully understand the importance of the rule of law rather than rule by majority, as in a democracy. A LIBOR-educated person is taught the difference between a democracy and a republic. And none of our founding fathers, not one, ever suggested that we start a democracy rather than a republic. Today, all the politicians talk about creating jobs. Of course, that's a great goal. However, some great thinkers have come to the conclusion that the employee education that America is doing so well is part of the dumbing down of America. Our students are no longer taught that the real American dream is not just to have a good job. It is the Georgic attitude combined with the search for providence in their lives and the LIBOR education that teaches how to become the owner that fits with the Georgic attitude. People of the world who were our enemies sometimes called this attitude arrogance. But it is not arrogance. It is the pride of ownership. When people saw an American, all of this was what the word meant to them. Some were threatened by it and became our enemies, and most 
embraced the idea. They wanted to become part of it. The most free-spirited and bravest actually did become part of it. They had to overcome incredible difficulties to come to America, but they did. That way we got the best blood from the best nations on earth. These people saw the exceptional difference of Americans and joined with us legally. Don't be fooled by those who tell you that the government can give you anything. If government has the power to give anything, it follows that it also has the power to take it from somebody else. Now, some may call that redistribution of wealth, but the real definition is tyranny. Next time, we'll study the last of the lost American ideals. It's called public virtue. <laughs> and I have not yet found anyone who understands it like our founding fathers did. So... Once you learn and practice these four lost American ideals, well, those who do are truly worthy of being called American. Hey, thanks for listening. Until next time, remember, you're learning the truth. Tell your friends and neighbors, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.